Process of doing the process well at this stage is not to lounge on a couch, but to stay in the circle. Which means those young men who are sitting there lounging against the couches, come back into the circle. And sit in such a way that your heart is open and that you are able to receive whatever is being taught or whatever is being transmitted. The, the das is 
the dars is you speaking. And the person who's conducting the dars is really just voices a sense that's in the room. <clears throat> and very often you'll get somebody saying, a number of people in the same circle saying, but you know, that dars spoke to me personally. Uh, it, it addresses something. And the person who's giving the dars has no idea what the issues are that the person is dealing with. So the dars speaks to you personally. But for, for, so in other words, you participate in making the dhikr happen. The dhikr isn't, the dhikr is dependent on each one of us in the circle. It's not just uh, the person who's leading the word, or the person who's conducting the hadra, or the person who's singing the qasaid, or the person who's drumming, or indeed the person who's doing the dash. Each, each one of us makes the dhikr possible. And we make the dhikr possible by our adab to the dhikr. <coughs> Another way of understanding adab is that Rasul Sallallahu said that, that when, when you enter people's houses, enter through the doors. In other words, each, each thing that you have has its own approach, has its, has its door. And you deal with, you, you approach the thing in terms of the, that thing's need. That th- or, or that thing's requirement, need is the wrong word, but that thing's requirement of you. Each situation that you're in has a sense of what's the appropriate thing in that situation. And you respond appropriately to the requirements <coughs> of that situation. Literally every single thing we do has an appropriacy to it. There's a way to sit well. There's a way to walk well. There's a, way to, there's a way to listen well. There's a way to do, do your salah well. Absolutely, there's nothing that is arbitrary. This is one of the miracles of the sunnah. The, the, the salah <laughs> said, his, his practice didn't just give us some beliefs. He, they gave us, he gave us actions. From how to brush your teeth to how, how what your deportment should be with the spouse, to absolute area. So, bear this in mind when you come to the dhikr. Because there's a part of the dhikr which is inevitable, which is our, we're, we're friends and we're brothers and sisters and we're having companionship with each other. And that's wonderful, alhamdulillah. But there's a deeper thing that's happening. And that is that as the dhikr progresses, we're engaging a doorway which puts us in direct contact with the Divine. This quietness that you experience after the dhikr is, a, is, 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 is being in the throne room. It's like being close to your Rabb's ear. It's like, it's like a, it's a deep connectedness with him. And it is appropriate that when you stand, when you're in the presence of the King, you, are, you act correctly, surely. Hmm? If you go to any king, there's an adab associated with that particular king. One throne will allow you, require you to do this, other would require you. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala requires you to be attentive and to be, and to sit and listen in a way which is, 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 is demonstrative of courteous attention. 
tension with Allah. So how you sit in a way which is, which is demonstrable of courteous attention, the, the f- we've, we've, um, <coughs> we've learned to sit really badly in, uh, with chairs. You'll see that most people when they sit in a chair, they sort of don't sit, they kind of lie down in the chair. Um, if you imagine that you, you had a tail, how most people sit, you know, like a dog sits, they sit, they'd be sitting like on, on their tail, sort of like with their bottom underneath, their, their pelvis kind of forward. To sit appropriately is to sit as if you, if you had a tail, your tail would be sticking out behind you. To put your pelvis back so that when you sit back, your spine is erect, but it's comfortable. You're not slouching. An erect posture says to the world, I'm attentive. I'm giving attention. Hmm. So the appropriate way to sit after the vicar is to sit in a way that, that is giving good attention. It's sitting with your spine straight, your tailbone slightly back. So if you imagined if you had a tail, you wouldn't be sitting on your tail, you'd be sitting with your tail back. It always feels, initially it might feel a little bit um, artificial. But you'll find that if you sit like that, your, your, your shoulders are relaxed, your, the, your neck is relaxed, because your spine stacks properly. And then you're orientated towards the vicar. Don't think that this is arbitrary. That something as simple as the posture that you're sitting while the dust is being conducted is a silly thing. You can sit however you like. This is not the case. Because nothing is arbitrary. You, the extraordinary thing about how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has created our lives is that you can take any aspect of your life and you can make that the, the, uh, the, uh, the, the, the golden thread around which you construct a wholesome life. So one way of constructing a wholesome life is to believe right, to believe appropriately. And when I'm in, in other words, to have beliefs that will constantly put you in a position where you, you, you treat the world around you with the appropriate respect and you act appropriately. Another way of constructing your life, and, and if you did that, I beg your pardon, if you did that, if you have appropriate beliefs, you will breathe correctly. You would sit correctly. You would deal with people correctly. You would sleep well. Because all the other things would follow naturally. You could also look at your life as a study in literally in walking. If you learn to walk well and you learn to walk properly with due attention to exactly how your body must be when you walk well, all the other things in your life will come right spontaneously. So you can make life a science of sitting. You can make life a science of listening. It doesn't matter what it is that you do. Everything that you do has within it a golden thread that takes you back to the divine. If you so choose to use it. This is why this matter of adab is so incredibly important. 
This is why the sunnah is so important. We don't act on the basis of the sunnah because it's about, it's about um, you know, getting benefits in akhirah. There may or may not be. I'm not suggesting there wouldn't be. But that's not the real purpose of it. The, the, the reason why you assimilate aspects of the sunnah into your own behavior is because you, you, you're then giving yourself you, you t- you, you're rescuing yet another part of your life which we do unconsciously and you're making it a deliberate part of your life. You're giving it process so that you can, you can, you can do that piece well. Look, if, 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 if I said to you, um, uh, do a particular task well, the very first thing you're going to want to know from me is, well, what is the standard for doing this thing well? You know, because you can't do it well if you don't know what the standard is. And so it is with everything that you do. It has a standard. And what I mean by the standard, it isn't necessarily so much, um, you know, sort of a, a, a checklist of do's and don'ts. It always relates to how you feel on the inside when you're doing that thing. So if you, you can imagine if you were sitting on the, the couch and you were slouching back, how you'd feel, you'd sort of feel fine, slightly dopey, slightly irritable. Whereas if you're sitting upright and giving attention, you feel completely different. So one way of, of understanding our path is, is really, you could say, it's, it's, a, it's a technology to learn how to feel right. And what I feel, mean by feel right is that it's like a hand in a glove, but it's a glove that's completely tailor-made for the hand. You know, that you feel, that's right, that's right. I'm sitting right. I'm sitting comfortably. I'm giving a, t- you know, um, I'm walking. I'm, I have a sense of energy, a sense of balance, a sense of poise about what I'm doing. <coughs> There's two ways we can live our lives. We can either live our lives, like most people live our li- their lives, which is, it's, it's a throwaway thing. It's a thing of no account. It's a thing that has no meaning to it. It's something that you suffer through. And then when you live your life like that, you'll live your life lounging on the couch. That's what's going to happen. I mean, the equivalent of living, living your life. The other way of living your life is to say, my life has the potential to be a work of art. Now, if you think about a really good work of art, say, for instance, somebody who's a great painter or somebody who's a sculptor or then absolutely everything they do to the stone or everything they do to the canvas is very deliberate. It's not just slapdash. It's refined. Your whole life has that possibility. Your whole life has the possibility of becoming a work of art. A beautiful thing. But that means that you live in such a way that every moment is a beautiful thing. Somebody looking at you from the outside would say, wow, that man has got poise. That man has balance. That man, there's something about that man. It's, it's like an attractiveness about that man. There's, hmm. What do you want to give as a gift to your Rabb one day when you pass over to the next world? Do you want to <laughs> take him a couch potato? Or do you want to take him something beautiful? 
Because this life that you've got, from one point of view, is nothing other than a training ground for a gift for your Rabb. Use it wisely. Make it an opportunity for you to make your life something beautiful. A cultivated life. A life that isn't just lived unconsciously and slapdash. It is these things that truly matter. You know, we, we worry about all sorts of arbitrary things. Like careers and finances and, and these are understandable things to worry about. But you've got to understand that the, bigger, the deepest truth about you is that you are going to die. And the, th- the other thing that's true about you is that there's nothing that you'll take across the to the other side other than, we know this, other than your actions. And what we people of Tassel have understood is your action is, is, is actually the refinement, the purpose of the action is the refinement of your being. So that's what goes beyond the grave, is the sense of refinement. This sense of having something, that your life is something beautiful and something special. Make your life special. Treat your life as if it's something incredibly precious. Don't live your life as if it's something that you're slouching your way through. Treat your life as if it's something that you're sitting at attention for. Because it's something extraordinary. And then you will have a meaningful life. And you will have a beautiful life. And you'll have a fulfilled life. You'll have a secure life. There's no way that you can get the things that you really want from life, which is a sense of happiness, a sense of security, by slouching. Lord grant us newness to him. May grant us annihilation in him. May grant us death before we die. In Allah, O Malaikatu, Salu al Nabi, you are the Amanu, Salu al Ayyu, Salim and Taslima. Allah, Masri Allah, Sayyidina Muhammadin Abdika, Rasulika, Nabiya Mu'ala, Ali, Wasahbi, Wasim Taslima, Subhana, Rabbi Kirab Azati, my Sifun, Wasalam, and Allah, Masri, Alhamdulillah. You can turn that light on, please. Otherwise, you'll be.